Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Captain Hunter's Podcast, a podcast that is dedicated towards bridging the divide between the police and the communities that they serve. I really appreciate all the love and the support that I've been getting thus far. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you so much for uh, the thumbs up, the likes, the shares, and everything like that. Please keep it coming, keep it going. Um, remember that you can reach out to me at cptlhunter at gmail.com. Send me a like, send me a message saying how much you like the show, and I will read your comments on the air. So thank you so much to all of you for doing those things. Remember, if you have show ideas, um, or if you just want to leave a comment, or just let me know how good you like the show, or if you don't, something you don't like about the show, uh, how I can make improvements, it's cptlhunter at gmail.com. Please remember that you can support the podcast through PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo. PayPal is C-A-P-T, that's Capped Hunter, uh, you know, PayPal. And Cash App and Venmo are dollar sign CPTL Hunter. Uh, so also you can go over to the Patreon page, patreon.com, become a supporter of the show as well on patreon.com. Looking forward to your love and support as always. So let's get into the episode for today. Uh, today's episode, uh, I wanted to do an episode about um, voting and the attempts to um, suppress the vote, depress the vote, and uh, everything like that. So we know that uh, since um, November uh, 3rd, um, current status is that uh, the current president of the United States, Donald Trump, is now going to cede. Uh, I guess that's you can put that in air quotes. Maybe it changes from time to time and from day to day, but but that's where we're at as of this recording uh, this of this introduction. So we'll see what happens. Um, so lawsuits have been filed all around the country um, concerning, uh, uh, you know, the president's allegations that uh, there was some type of voter fraud going on. And it's been in particular in places in communities of color. And so what happened is I, I was following a uh, Instagram, um, 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 some Instagram posters called pushing underscore black, pushing black, pushing, that's, uh, you know, the word pushing underscore and black. And so almost every day or a couple times a day, they upload some videos about what's going on, in particularly in the black community. And so uh, I actually uh, tuned in and they had a, a video uh, in which a number of uh, persons from the Detroit area in Michigan uh, were, were uh, speaking about what was going on in the attempts to vote, overturn, throw out the ballots that were going on in Wayne County and in Detroit. Uh, and so there's a number of different speakers uh, who chimed in and uh, kind of let the, the, the council there uh, have it. And uh, so uh, many, some of them were white, some of them were, were black, uh, some of the persons who were speaking. So I, I really thought it was a good video. And once I saw the video, I reached out to uh, Miss Ray Lanier and uh, she was so much to come on so gracious enough to come on the show and kind of speak about what's going on there, what happened, why there was this attempt to vote, uh, to suppress the vote, and uh, why they had this big council meeting in attempts to get their votes there certified in this the uh, city of Detroit, uh, so they would be accounted towards uh, the, towards Joe Biden. So I think that that was really important. Also, uh, Miss Ray Lanier came on the show, and uh, also Miss uh, Marjan Parjam members of this organization called Michigan Liberation. Uh, so I'll let them explain what Michigan Liberation is, um, but uh, it's not, you know, this, that group that tried to uh, uh, kidnap the um, the governor there in, in Michigan. 
So uh, we really had a great interview, and I really appreciate the ladies coming on the podcast. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to play for you the video. Uh, so you'll be able to watch the video uh, and, and uh, or if you're on the audio, listen to the video and listen to the words of different um, uh, speakers at this uh, event in Detroit. Um, they kind of let the, the council there uh, blast it uh, and have it. And uh, then I'll then we'll go straight into the interview with Miss Ray Lanier and Marjan uh, Parham. And they're going to explain what Michigan Liberation is and they're going to explain um, uh, you know, what their mission is, uh, what their f goals are, focus are, and everything like that. But uh, meanwhile, let me just read to you uh, their bios. So, Miss uh, Ray Lanier is an abolitionist, abolitionist organizer and the Wayne County Director for Michigan Liberation, a statewide network of people and organizations organizing to end the criminalization of black families and communities of color in Michigan. She is also one of the co-founders of Michigan Liberation. She is passionate about grassroots power building, transformative justice, and empowering the community. Ray is a native of Detroit, Michigan. And Ms. Marjan Parham is the public relations manager uh, for Michigan Liberation. Uh, she is a native of Detroit, Michigan. She graduated from North Carolina A&T State University, uh, the University of Southern California, and the University of Southern California. She is currently the public relations manager for Michigan Liberation a nonprofit that is uh, a statewide network of people and organizations organizing to end the criminalization of black families and communities of color in Michigan. She's a radio personality on Sandbox Radio, the R&B Soul Tide Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 7, PM, 7 through 11 p.m. She is also the new host of the new podcast and TV show, The Convo with Marjan on Comcast, Wild Cable, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Last year, she was the main podcast host on iHeartRadio's Hot Topics with Ms. Marjan. A few years ago, she hosted the Soul Society, Soul Society radio show at uh, WHFR uh, 89.3 FM, co-hosted on the Margie and Ray show at WMPZ Groove Radio. She started in radio doing radio segment on the BJ Murphy Morning Show at uh, 103.3 FM in Charlotte, North Carolina. Prior to working in radio and public relations, she, she worked at an automotive and engineer with some of the top brands in the world, Mercedes-Benz, General Motors, Caterpillar, Suzuki, and Yamaha. Ms. Marjan divides her time between her hometown in Detroit and her second home in Atlanta. She is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So who should be interviewing who with all of her radio experience? So, But I appreciate her coming on the podcast. I, I, I'm very excited to have them on. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is the interview with Miss Ray Lanier in Marjan Parham. However, remember first that we're going to play the interview with uh, the speakers at the d event in Detroit, and then we're going to uh, go straight into the video, to the interview. much i know i don't have a long time and i know that whatever i say is not going to influence your decision at all because we know you made your decision long before you got here today uh we know where you got your instructions the michigan gop issued a statement about your decision within minutes like two minutes of you actually making it they had a very long statement that they posted on twitter um so we knew you had made already made your decision and we know that you were 
looking for backup on your phones for support from your lawyers and whatnot. Um, we also know that the Secretary of State and the Attorney General have already uh, tweeted out that your legal arguments are rubbish and you're going to lose in, when it comes to court. So we're not worried about that uh, at all. I'm also not worried about any of your, oh, things are, are bad so we can't certify arguments because that's just ridiculous. You certified in August when they were worse, less than 50% of the ballots were recountable. Now over 72% are. 58% uh, of them were even balanced when it was less than 30% last time. So it's doubled. It's gotten way better because the Secretary of State actually jumped in and did her job, unlike you. But I know it's not going to change your opinion. Um, you talked about not certifying Detroit, even though you acknowledge that Livonia, a city, by the way, I know you know is 95% white, had bigger variances than Detroit, which is 80% black. We understand, and you've now added your name. So I, I'm not going to try to change your mind. I just want to let you know that the Trump stick, the stain of racism that you, William Hartman, and Monica Palmer have just covered yourself in is going to follow you throughout history. Your grandchildren are going to think of you like Bull Connor or George Wallace. Monica Palmer and William Hartman will forever be known in southeastern Michigan as two racists who did something so unprecedented that they disenfranchised hundreds of thousands of black voters in the city of Detroit because they were ordered to. Probably, I know, Monica, you think Q told you to do it or some other crazy stuff like that. But just know when you try to sleep tonight that millions of people around the world now on Twitter know the name Monica Palmer and William Hartman as two people completely racist and without an understanding of what integrity means or a shred of human decency. You, The law isn't on your side. History won't be on your side. Your conscience will not be on your side. And Lord knows, when you go to meet your maker, your soul is going to be very, very warm. Thank you. Can anyone hear me? All right, my name is Brandy Mon Robinson. Uh, Monica Palmer, you don't know me, but I want you to look dead in the camera when I say this to you, sister, all right? I went to the TCF Center that night. I'm an attorney, I'm a Detroiter, I'm born and raised here, and I proudly cast my vote and, and choose to support this election year after year. I went to the TCF Center and I came here tonight to talk about the things that I saw that were disgraceful. I'm gonna tell you something, when I left TCF that night, I was bothered more by the arrogance and the sense of superiority and entitlement that I saw in the white women just like you who stood there and came thinking that Detroiters must be up to something fishy, that we must be incompetent, that we must not know what we're doing, and that therefore you had the right to confront us and, and try to suppress our vote. I thought that was, uh, you know, sort of next level. But I came here tonight and I see that this is 10 times worse because Regardless of what those people were doing that night, you folks have the arrogance to sit here and, and look like you irritated, look like you don't even want to hear what we have to say. You're ignorant. And I am I am beside myself at the level of disrespect that you have for black voters in this city. It is unacceptable. I'm not going to try to appeal to your sense of dignity and morality because I think as the others have said, you have none. But, you know, I just want you to know we see you. Black folks, y'all been trying to take us out for generations. It's not gonna work. It didn't work with slavery. It didn't work with Jim Crow. It didn't work with segregation. It didn't work with any other shit that you've tried before. And it's not gonna work this time either. So your time is coming. I hope you enjoy every minute of Twitter fame that you got coming because you deserve it. 
My name is Ray Lanier and I'm a lifelong Wayne County resident and voter. I'm also the Wayne County Director for Michigan Liberation, where we focus on building grassroots power for people directly impacted by the criminal legal system and racist tactics like the ones Monica Palmer, who's not here, um, and you, William Hartman, displayed tonight. This was a free and fair election made possible only by the dedicated planning and execution of our many civilian poll workers and county clerks. What happened here tonight was blatantly racist and a dangerous attempt to draw out a process that has already been decided by voters. Quite frankly, this is a sloppy and shameful attempt at a coup. As you know, it is unprecedented for the Wayne County Board of Canvassers to undermine the will of voters by not certifying its results. It's ironic because you're violating the law all in the name of law and order. I am shocked but not surprised that the Republicans have remained consistent with their overt racism, partisan games, and continued desperate attempts to undermine democracy. The voters who are the real patriots in this great nation, who have already decided the outcome of this election, will not forget how low you are willing to go. Monica Palmer, who again is not here, and you, William Hartman, the people know your name, we know your record, and you, we will be sure that it is you who remembers us the next time you try to seek public office. And in case you missed it in the comments uh, in the Zoom chat, we are still live streaming to make sure your racism and bigotry is permanently on the public record. I yield the rest of my time. Thank you for allowing me to speak um, because I do believe that Monica should be able to hear from the people. Monica, what you did here today was a dis just, it was a disgrace to yourself, to your daughter, and I know not to your husband because I'm sure this was pre-planned. Obviously it had to be because we were all notified of what you were going to do. So now how can you as a human being sit there and act as if what you're doing is so morally correct? Why wasn't it morally correct when your husband's uh, uh, candidate won? Yes, because we know that your husband is a is a extreme Trump supporter. So maybe this is why you decided to do this unjust act here today to silence the vote of black and brown people in Detroit. Now, let me say this. If you didn't do it when your candidate won back in 2016, you should not do it now. How dare you? How dare you try to silence the voice of the citizens? You will not get away with this. And understand and know that every decision that you make that does not have moral decency, you will have to stand and give an account for that and know that. And understand that your daughter is ashamed of you. She will be ashamed of you. She will look at you and discuss because after, like Pastor Edwards said, the generation now is not like you are. And so, no, don't raise your hand on me. If you all took all of that time, then we need to take our time as well. This is disgusting what you have done to the voters, voters of Detroit. How dare you? Shame on you. Welcome to Captain Hunter's podcast. Thank you so much to being on the show. I really, really appreciate you guys coming on I'm here with uh, Ray Lanier and Marjan Par Parham, right? That's how I pronounce right. you guys' names. Okay, very good. So thank you guys for being here. We'll start off with uh, you guys just telling us a little bit about yourselves and your organization. And we'll start off with you, Mar Marjan, if you could, or Marjan. 
Yes, no problem. Thank you, Captain Hunter. Excited to be on here after, what, Turkey Day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everything. Um, I am Marjan Parham. I am the Public Relations Manager for Michigan Liberation, as well as Michigan um, Liberation Action Fund, which, you know, we'll definitely go into details about between the two. Um, been in this organization. It hasn't even been a full year. Been here since April um, doing PR for this amazing um, grassroots organization. Oh, very good. Thanks for being here. And yeah. to you, Ray. Yes. Uh, thank you, Captain Hunter. Ms. Ray Lanier. I go by she and her pronouns. Um, I'm an original founder of Michigan Liberation and currently serve as the Wayne County Director. Um, and Wayne County is the uh, county that holds the city of Detroit. Very good. And um, since you're the newbie there, Marjan, could you tell us a little bit about <laughs> about the organization and, and, and the two of them and what it is you all do and everything like that? Yes, yes, no problem. Like I mentioned, um, just started in April and have been totally blown away with the work that I've seen just in this year alone. But uh, Michigan Liberation was founded or formed August 2018. So we just celebrated, what, the two-year uh, mark and everything. Um, the cool thing about Michigan Liberation, we have the 501c3, uh, which is the nonprofit part of it. And then we also have the Super PAC, which is Michigan Liberation Action Fund. And so one of the cool things, Captain Hunter, about that is that not only are we able to get out in the community and um, not so much, well, lobby, but, you know, endorse candidates, you know, as, as well. And, you know, this year was so um, big as far as with the presidential um, election that we had. So not only did we um, do like voter education or awareness, like as far as um, doing forums, telling people like what the difference between maybe a prosecutor's job versus maybe a county commissioner type of role. A lot of people don't even have a clue what um, a prosecutor, you know, is supposed to do on a daily basis. And then was able to turn around and switch over into our super PAC mode and actually endorse several candidates here in the uh, Michigan area. And that was in Wayne, Macomb. Um, we also did some in Oakland as well as Kalamazoo County, which are all within the state of Michigan. So um, just been amazing. And then, of course, we've done some other amazing projects. Like we've, we have a huge project we do every year called the Black Mamas Bailout, where we bail out Black mothers doing Mother's Day. That was absolutely amazing. Ray was involved in that. We actually um, even went to one of our bailouts um, home and presented her with um, flowers and so forth and was able to help them um, some, with some things that they were having problems with, like a hot water tank. So we all are all about our business, you know, helping in the community. And there's a lot of other things that popped up this year, you know, centered around George Floyd that we um, helped out as well. Like we did some local protest here during that time, as well as our free grace project. So we are definitely in the trenches doing different things as need be. Wow, that's yeah, that's definitely a lot and a mouthful. And I'm, yeah. glad, I'm always glad to hear organizations doing that type of work. Why? Why do you think that there is that type of uh, uh, breakdown? When you talk about the the people don't know what the prosecutor does on a day to day basis or the county commissioner's role, why do you think that that breakdown exists? 
Um, I don't know if Ray, Ray, if you want to, you want me to elaborate or you want to go? Because I know Ray was very involved in the one. Okay, we'll give it to Ray for that, that, for that question. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think it's because um, there isn't a concerted effort to educate people on on the role of city government um, and on the and on the critical roles of like our criminal legal system. Um, most ways that people find out about their prosecutor is on the other end, right? Like when the it's you versus the prosecutor um, for some type of you know offense uh, that you need to you know be held to account for. Um, and we have found that like getting into the weeds of actually learning, okay, like one, the very basic, who is the prosecutor? Okay. Two, what is the prosecutor's role? Um, and you, you learn that the prosecutor is actually responsible um, for directing police departments and, and what uh, charges that or she is going to prioritize. Um, and once, you know, the folks that we started talking to, you know, learned more about like what the actual role was, um, it made it easier to then look at records and line the two up and say, okay, based off of what you know a prosecutor is supposed to do, um, has he or she acted in accordance with, with what you know, with what you know they're supposed to do? Um, and overwhelmingly, the answer was always no. Um, so I think that's just the importance of organizing in general is um, making information and language accessible uh, to communities that are directly impacted in ways that they are not going to encounter in schools um, in their everyday lives. So. So you said that there was a was not a concerted effort. What could could we do and what should we do? I know that it's probably what your organization is doing, but how can this your organization's mission be uh, mirrored, uh, mimicked throughout the you know, rest of the United States, particularly those underserved communities where we can catch up people who don't know their rights, don't know the laws, don't know what their prosecutors are supposed to be doing? Is there a way for us to to uh, catch people up on, on that type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would say that uh, those mechanisms already exist um, in the form of your local community organizer, in the form of these uh, local grassroots organizations that have been, you know, been here the entire time, fighting really hard to end mass incarceration, um, you know, fighting really hard to um, reinvest in meaningful ways um, in their communities. I think that there are tons of people across the entire nation um, that are already doing this work. For instance, Michigan Liberation um, is a partner of an entity called Mass Liberation, and they are national. Um, we are connected with you know, all the other grassroots orgs that are doing this type of work across the country. Um, and that is helpful for a few reasons. One. Um, for the ex successes that we experience on the ground, we're able to pass those best practices and learnings, you know, to our brother and sister organizers across the country. Um, also, you know, just when um, there are certain um, occurrences that happen, um, I'm thinking, you know, for instance, around like cash bail, um, it makes it easier for us to align in messaging um, and then align in strategy so that there's no lone wolves that are shooting in the dark um, because we know that people who are closest to the problem are closest to the solution, but they're often 
furthest away from resources and power. Um, and so, you know, I, I wouldn't say, you know, there needs to be a county program or anything new instituted. I would say that there needs to be more attention focused on these types of organizations and more resources um, going to them and more people who are signing up to be engaged because there have been people who have been doing this longer than I, um, who in a lot of the conversation that we see nowadays around, um, you know, divest, invest, and police reform, um, it's coming from these very grassroots organizers. It's not coming from a suit in Washington or in your state capital. They're talking to folks on the ground. So you talked uh, a little bit about uh, what you all did for George Floyd and uh, defund the police and everything like that. So let me hear both of your opinions on, you know, the number one, the George Floyd incident and what you all did in response uh, to that. Yeah, I don't know. Did you want me to go first, Marjad? Yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one, I just got to say, because people ask, like, I did not watch the video. Um, I've seen too many videos. As a matter of fact, I believe George Floyd was just one of many, uh, you know, this year. I knew that it was going to be brutal. Um, for me, uh, the thing that, that really got me up out of my seat, um, you know, while I was experiencing that grief was uh, the day that the CNN reporter, the, the Black reporter, got arrested on camera while covering the protest in Minneapolis. Um, and for me, it was extremely panicking um, that, you know, things that are considered safe, you know what I mean? Like I, I put reporters up there with like my local firemen or policemen or nurse, you know, somebody's doing their job um, and, and they're being arrested. It felt Hello? Uh, oh, you cut out for a minute there. Oh, can you hear me? Uh, we got you now, yes. Yeah, yeah. It felt like an attack on both like my blackness and like one of those rare moments where for me as a black woman, it felt like democracy was like directly, you know, being endangered, right? Um, in ways that were just uh, blatant. And so uh, I went on Facebook and I was like, man, I'm, I'm upset. I need to, I know somebody's organizing something. Um, and somebody was organizing something. And I went down there uh, with a, a friend of mine who's the, our Wayne County organizer. And the amount of people that were there, I instantly just thought, like, we're going to need support. Like, there is the, the energy um, was so thick. And I knew that it would be like a sustained situation that I immediately just started thinking about what I could do to make sure um, that this movement, this energy had what it needed to go as far as it could. And what that looked like was basically setting up um, a statewide protest infrastructure uh, that supported each um, action that we had um, across the state of Michigan where we had capacity. We were able to combine efforts with uh, entities like the National Lawyers Guild um, and the bailout, uh, the bail project housed through the Detroit Justice Center to make sure that folks who were um, using their right to peacefully demonstrate, you know, everything that was in the air, police brutality, um, suppression of the, the Black vote, 
um, you know, these generational scars that we did not want bail um, to become a barrier to that. We knew that the lock them up strategy used to, to try um, and suppress these voices um, who, who are acting in righteous anger. And so we did what we did best. We organized, we created this structure um, and have been out on the streets over the last 180 plus days um, supporting as many um, organizing efforts around Divest Invest as we can. Um, we've also, you know, taken the step of talking to lawmakers, both on the state and national level, um, where they're asking, you know, well, what do solutions look like um, to you? Um, what can be done? And then having the conversation about, you know, what they feel can happen. Um, and then negotiating with community and saying, like, is this enough? Um, and then getting back, you know, getting drawn back to the, the drawing board. Um, I think it has been tough for us um, more recently because we've literally had to screech efforts in order to uh, organize to defend democracy. But, you know, really looking forward to um, re-engaging uh, more viscerally in the fight in 2021 because there's a lot of municipal elections um, that actively affect um, and, and policy ways um, the divest invest strategy campaign. Um, and I'll pass it to you, Marjan, for additional thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ray kind of hit it on the nail. Also, um, Captain Hunter, one of the things um, dealing with George Floyd, like Ray mentioned, we it was hard to watch the video because we have, especially in our black community, especially like Detroit, have experienced other situations like George Floyd. For example, one of the things that Michigan Liberation got involved in, there was some years ago, but there was a young man by the name of Mackenzie Cochran, um, who was a 25-year-old black man from Ferndale, Michigan, who died um, with confrontation dealing with a security staff at a mall in, um, in the area. And so because of our, um, like Ray mentioned, our organizing efforts and partnering with other organizations. You know, it's not just Michigan Liberation. We're all part of this, you know, coalition of organizations that are trying to, um, you know, do grassroots organizing. And because of our efforts and the situation with George Floyd, our um, attorney general actually um, reviewed, opened up the case again and reviewed it. And we worked with um, McKenzie's brother and family to get that case reopened and looked at. And um, it even made the Wall Street Journal, if you um, look it up as well and everything. So we we are all about um, community organizing and you know doing what we have to do to get our voice heard and the message out. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's really good and important stuff. Um, I, I wanted to t talk about what, you know, uh, voter suppression yeah. as a part of that. And of course, this is why I reached out to you all. And I had seen a Ray, uh, is it seen or saw? Anyway, I saw you, <laughs> Ray, on, on, uh, on, uh, on, on a video that it was uh, part of, the, you know, some Instagram that I, that I follow. And you were given a, an impassioned speech about what had happened with the voter suppression there in Detroit and Wayne County. And I wanted to know if you could just walk us through that and what was going on. I tried to get other, um, particularly black groups on to uh, talk about voter suppression because I had been hearing about this, you know, June, July, that this was coming. Lo and behold, it's here or it happened as we record this. Um, and uh, we know, as you mentioned before, that we're going to be going on in, in more uh, uh, lesser 
known uh, races, you know, city councils and things like that, but still that voter suppression is there. So if you could just walk us through what was going on in Wayne County. Yeah, and just uh, to ask a clarifying question, do you mean like more recently with like attempts to not certify the election results or like just disinformation before that? Well, let's let's talk about all of it, because we can go all the way back to, you know, 2016, uh, when we know that the Russians were interfering th with their with that crazy nonsense and targeting specifically black black people, black inf disinformation, as you mentioned. So, dif yes, I'm talking about disinformation before uh, this uh, this uh, uh, lack of certification, I guess, which just happened fairly recently, uh, but they didn't want to certify and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 been a full four years. I'll just start with that. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. In in 2016, black folks were um, targeted. You know, there's a lot of reasons. My hot take is that you know, black folks like we're we're social people, right? Like we we you know, if my mom told me to do something, like nine times out of 10, like, you know, that's what my mom said, I'm gonna go with that. People are sharing things, you know, with people on Facebook. Um, and there's a certain degree of like trust that's already been built. Uh, folks don't know that they're sharing, you know, bad information. Um, and I think that the reason why that happens is because the Russians uh, or these foreign actors were able to um, exploit um, pre-existing tensions and conversations that already exist in the streets uh, that Black people have that I see in my organizing. Um, you know, for instance, the thought that um, either, you know, neither party, the Republicans or the Democrats, have done much for the status of Black people. Um, you know, the fact that a lot of Black folks feel like their vote doesn't count. Um, the disinformation that you saw um, literally was just putting that in the meme, you know, and, and sharing it. Um, and we call that voter depression, right? Um, so this is what can I create to make sure that you stay at home, right? To like disincentify um, the act of voting. Um, we also saw misinformation too, um, in the form of folks being told, you know, the wrong day to vote or uh, the more common trope of, you know, felons can't vote. Um, in the state of Michigan, felons uh, can vote after you serve your time um, and you're off probation or parole, you are completely able to vote. Um, also another, you are in the county jail, you can also vote. They have to give you your ballot. Um, but these were things that, you know, in the black community itself, like, like folks just did not know. Um, and so when you see a flyer or, you know, you see a white person telling you, um, like, no, you can't vote if you're if you're a felon or like you're in jail. Like, of course, you can't vote. Um, it, it just played on what was there. Um, you fast forward to 2020 and you're seeing the same thing. Right. But now, you know, folks have had, you know, four years to critique and build upon what was built in 2016. Um, a lot of the same, you know, messages. Um, and this time, I think that. Um, you know, things were inflamed with just, you know, I'll say generally like the state of Black America and its relationship at large with law enforcement. Um, and there were folks who were scared. Um, we saw, you know, police officers with Trump face masks, you know, patrolling uh, ballot boxes, you know, for early voters. Um, and then that would get put on social media and then folks would want to stay home. 
Um, you would see videos that had been chopped up um, or, you know, like played backwards where it looked like uh, absentee voter locations were being tampered with. I mean, it was really just kind of like a wild, wild west of just, you know, choose your own poison. Um, but as organizers, as an organizing community, I think that had many lessons we had in 2016. Um, it actually allowed us to have some success in 2018, where people referred to that blue wave, and we were able to um, elect a lot of folks uh, into Washington. Um, and in 2020, it was more of that type of planning. And so, um, you know, I would say very early on, uh, actually probably last year, you know, organizers were already having conversations about um, what the 2020 generals were going to look like and what we were going to do to try and combat this. Um, and then the pandemic hit and we were completely shook because now we can't do our traditional thing of meeting people face to face where they are. Uh, we had to figure out this whole Internet thing. Um, which was kind of clunky, you know, and, and there's a lot of lessons we're in the process of debriefing right now. But I think um, because we were all aligned in messaging and strategy um, and constantly talking to each other and reevaluating, like, what is working, what is not working, and more importantly, like, what are we hearing from the community, like, um, what uh, insufficiencies do we see are being like exploited by the internet, by the media? Um, and where can we as organizers do best by the communities we fight by making sure that they have clear, accurate um, news, information that they can trust from verifiable sources. And so we went to work on that. Um, that's probably like the outward um, of it all. Now inwardly, organizers are freaking out uh, because, <laughs> okay. you know, uh, let's, let's keep it real, you know, like Donald Trump won and it was because he killed it on the internet, you know, his social media game was killer back in 2016. And we all know that, you know, the day after his inauguration, he never stopped campaigning. Uh, so he only got better. Um, we then, you know, had to take time to figure out the actual electoral process. Um, Donald Trump made it clear that, you know, he, he's a bad loser. And if he had to leave, it would be kicking and screaming. And so we started to prepare for that, talking to election attorneys, learning about um, elections to the very letter of the law. And that's when many of us were like, oh, shoot, like it is not over on election day. It's like three more months of veto checkpoints um, that we, the people, are responsible for making sure that they run smoothly because it only takes the opposition one time, you know, to, to, for a mess up on our part, uh, for there to be a, a possibility of new precedent being set. And as we learned, we informed our communities, very important deadlines, you know, like we, we vote on November 3rd, um, you know, the county has to certify um, by, I believe, forget it was the Tuesday before the 23rd um and you know we had to figure out what the makeup of the board was um and and got you know worried that it was a two to makeup of Republican and Democrat you know there was no possibility really for a tiebreaker and you know we went organized a, a car caravan uh 
to the place where they actually uh, certify the Wayne County results um, with our newly informed uh, voters who have been, we've been engaging with this entire year through the pandemic, through the uprisings, through this election. Um, and they were earnestly just asking like, hey, today's the deadline for Wayne County. Uh, we know you guys have always done your job every single year that Wayne County has had to certify an election. And, you know, we're acting in good faith and assuming best intent that you're not going to try and, you know, make new historical precedent today. Um, after we did that, we all hopped on the meeting to tune in and, you know, assume best intent. And what we saw was that uh, the Republicans on the board, Monica Palmer and William Hartman, uh, were not assuming best intent of us, of Wayne County of the city of Detroit, and particularly of its black and brown folks. Now, it what was, specifically, I'm sorry to interrupt, what specifically yeah. did those two do on that? Yeah, yeah, so um, there was a vote to certify the election, and I just want to say that never before this meeting had the Wayne County Board of Canvassers ever not certified an election. That is literally their job, they just certified the results. Um, and Monica uh, Palmer and William Hartman made the decision to not uh, certify the results in Wayne County because they had uh, concerns with Detroit, right? Um, I don't want to get into the weeds of it, but, you know, basically um, they said that the poll books were not balanced. Um, but the thing is, that was so enraging um, that in a city like Livonia, which is um, 90 percent white to Detroit's 85 percent black had a much higher level of uh, variance and other whiter uh, suburbs that exist within Wayne County also had higher variance. And Monica Palmer literally said um, that she was willing to certify every other municipality but Detroit, even with those variances and that she knew that there was no statute to support her, but that it ultimately did not change her vote. I mean, she left the room, which just, you know, it was just like people were just getting so mad and more mad, um, you know. How many people, how many people are on this board to, to certify? Yeah, so there's four people on the board. There are two Republicans and two Democrats. It's supposed to be a, quote unquote, like nonpartisan effort, right? It's supposed to be a balanced board. Uh, but the problem is when you don't have a tiebreaker or a mechanism for a tie, you end up in a two to two deadlock, which is where we found ourselves in. Um, and in Wayne County for this type of meeting, um, they don't take public comment until the end. So there was no way to try and influence uh, the vote before it happened. Um, and, you know, people were already riled up because for one, they only expected a hundred people to show up. That was the initial Zoom capacity. There was a lot of complaining, a lot of texting, and then, you know, they increased it to 300 and it still was not enough. And, you know, I think they eventually raised it to 500 and then just quit responding to us, um, <laughs> because people were still stuck in the waiting room and, you know, on these live feeds on Facebook and social media, trying to get their word in. And the people let them have it. They told them that they called it out for what it was, which was blatantly racist. Uh, Monica Palmer, a white woman from Gross Point, um, 
experienced a lot of election problems uh, day of the election in Gross Point and the place that she represents. Um, it never came up in the conversation. It was never an issue. Um, and Detroit, where we had the smoothest election that we ever had, uh, for her to call it into question when she certified the August primary, which was super clunky, super problematic, um, it just did not make sense. And so, you know, for three and a half hours, um, people from across Wayne County, including Le the uh, city clerk of Livonia, who administered that election that had the higher variance, um, the clerk from uh, Canton uh, was also on the call and chimed in and everyone was unanimous. It was racist. It was disgusting. Um, it was completely improper and that they were going to need to change that vote. Um, and, you know, Monica Palmer eventually came back into the room to, you know, face uh, the folks that she's representing. And uh, ultimately, her and William Hartman made the decision to reverse uh, the first unprecedented move of not certifying by then recertifying. Um, and it they came in that night came in and they certified yeah, they it that came, night. They came in that night. So what okay. happened was uh, they had muted the meeting for 40 minutes and all the organizers got into an outrage because it was a violation of the Open Meetings Act. Like we're supposed to hear what you're saying just because we're in a pandemic and we're on Zoom. That doesn't change anything. Um, and then when they came on. In the midst of people complaining via chat, they were like, what are you complaining about? We already voted to certify. We're going home. Um, and so it was just kind of like, oh, we won. Um, <laughs> the way that it happened, we were like, you know, no, this doesn't feel quite settled, right? And we found that the next day, William uh, Hartman and Monica Palmer signed affidavits saying that they wanted to rescind their uh, votes certifying the election because they felt it was made under uh, duress. Wow. Um, and the saga continued and, you know, to spiral out. So it's, it's, it's been a lot. So where, where are we today as we record this? Where, yes, where are we today? today I feel very good. But just like I did the, the night of the Wayne County uh, uh, Board of Canvassers meeting, um, and that, you know, ultimately the people prevailed. And on Monday during the State Board of Canvassers meeting, we were able to secure certification for the state of Michigan um, in a three uh, to zero vote um, by the state board. And just to break down that board, it has the exact same makeup as the Wayne County State Board. So two Republicans, two Democrats. Again, they've always certified the election. We went into that uh, meeting with a lot of trepidation because one of the board uh, members, Norm Schinkel, uh, had stated to the Washington Post that he was of a mind to not certify. And the other Republican um, had been noncommittal up until that point. And so uh, they had gotten, I think, like an hour or two into public comment and ultimately made the decision to certify. So one Republican voted to certify with the two Democrats who voted to certify. And that's what uh, got us over the edge. But Norm Schinkel, um, the Republican who said he wasn't going to do it. He did not make a no vote, but he chose to abstain. Um, so it was like he like he wasn't there. Um, and we kind of eat over the, the finish line with that victory. But again, things 
still don't feel settled. And I know there's like a lot of people out there, maybe some of your listeners who are like, you know, like the deadline has passed. This is what the law says. And what I need folks to understand is that democracy operates off of a lot of gentlemen's agreements, a lot of um, assuming of integrity, a lot of deference to how we have done things. Um, And if you haven't noticed, 2020 is some strange times. That means that people need to be open to strange possibilities. Everything that the people of Wayne County and the residents of the state of Michigan have experienced this electoral season, including the um, attempted kidnap of our governor, has never happened, right? Um, But we have needed to be flexible. There has been word that uh, there's going to be an oversight uh, committee hearing on election integrity. Um, I believe the Trump campaign first said that, you know, it was going to happen on the 22nd. Um, Now they're saying it's going to be on the 1st. We're we're unsure about that, but we do know that nationally, the safe harbor date, the date when every state needs to have their election results certified, is December 8th. It is coming up. The Electoral uh, College votes uh, for president at their state capitals on uh, December 14th. Um, And they're still, I mean, it's, it's ever, ever, ever so narrow a path, but Um, You know, folks still need to be vigilant, still need to be plugging in with their local community organizers uh, to learn about how they can engage to, you know, uh, defend democracy and just do their part as a citizen to make sure that these votes are counted um, and that the electors that we send to vote um, are voting reflective of um, what the state said. So in the state of Michigan, in this case, it was for Biden. Um, that they need to vote in accordance uh, with how the people voted is is going to be our next challenges between now and the 14th. And then we'll hold our breath and make it to January 20th. And then, you know, we can go back to worrying about stuff uh, that we were doing before all of this. (laughs) Right, right, right. Did Monica Palmer or William Hartman ever, ever um, address this in the news media, what their what their thought process was? Yeah. Um, you know, they said that they wanted to, it was basically all the, the Trump talking points. You know, they wanted every legal vote to count. Um, that, you know, the reason um, why they singled out Detroit was just because there was variance. Again, they did not address the higher levels of variance um, in, you know, majority white communities uh, within Wayne County, including Monica Palmer's own town of, of Gross Point. Um, and then, you know, said that they they made the vote, um, one, under duress, and two, under uh, false pretenses. And that comes from um, one of the other board members, uh, Kenlock, um, who suggested to Monica um, the compromise that allowed them to initially certify, which is, you know, certify, and then we will ask the state to do an audit. Um, you know, when the state board of canvassers has their meeting. Um, and yeah, so, you know, she, she just felt like she and he uh, held a pe- press conference and, and said that um, they, they were scared um, and they thought that they were going to get a process that would halt um, the certification. Um, and what we saw was as we transitioned from that press conference to the state board of canvassers meeting, um, the ask there 
was for the board to not certify in favor of a 14-day audit of Wayne County. Um, yeah, and, you know, I just have to, to mention, um, you know, this is, this all took place while Trump um, had reached out to Monica Palmer the night of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers meeting, and then the next day um, had requested that, um, oh, what are their names? But the state uh, House and Senate majority leaders uh, would come to Washington to, uh, you know, speak with him. They said it was about COVID, but COVID has been here since March and there hasn't been any other conversations about COVID. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's been very crazy. It's been very cloak and daggery. Um, and the best that people can do, like I said, is plugging in with those community organizers who have spent you know, the better part of this year, learning about the actual electoral law for their state, what deadlines are important, um, what are the most effective uh, COVID safe ways for people to show up, um, and then, you know, like, what does success look like? When can we all take that collective breath? So are, these are, are these people voted into office and, or they selected to do this particular assignment or how, how is that established? Um, I, that's a really good question. I feel like, yeah, I think they're, I think they may be elected or they may be appointed. I know the state board of canvassers, um, are appointed. I'm not sure about the county ones, but these are also folks who, um, you're able to look up their records since they are public officials, um, and, you know, see like where they are. That's a really good question. I'll have to figure that out. Well, and there, there, the second time uh, in which the certification went through, you named out different people. So it wasn't the same board. It was a three to zero vote. It was, yeah. so that was a different, so they just selected different people or? Yeah, so, yeah. So it's a, it's a completely different board, right? So Monica Palmer and William Hartman, they are just responsible for Wayne County's votes. There's 83 counties in the state of Michigan. And so 83 county board of commissioners. Once all of those uh, counties certify and they did, those results then get sent to the state board, um, which is made up of four members and a two to two Republican Democratic board. And those members, I believe, are, uh, you know, selected by the governor. Now, you mentioned this variance. Now, explain what that what that is for the variance and, and why it's so significant that the one in Gross Point was even larger than the one in Wayne County or, or Detroit. Yeah, I mean, it's not like variance happens, you know, I just want to preface this by saying like, I'm an organizer by trade and not an election administrator. Um, but, you know, like, things happen, right? You know, you may get to um, the polling place and you say, hey, um, I have this absentee ballot, but I actually want to vote in person. Can you void, you know, this ballot for me so that I can vote, vote in person? Um, and so that will happen. Um, or sometimes a machine will get jammed um, and cause like a double count. But um, the numbers, like the each county has, I think it's maybe like two weeks to rectify these numbers. Um, and a lot of election experts will tell you um, that what we saw this year um, was one, the most secure election um, in the United States history ever, point blank. Um, and that this type of variance you see in all 50 states um, and is nothing out of the ordinary. It does not 
um, signify anything. The fact that we actually catch these uh, balances or these imbalances rather um, in our election certification process shows um, how this is a free and fair election because there are constantly checks and balances to explain um, why there are certain discrepancies. And that night for the Wayne County Board of Canvassers meeting and also for the state board, um, you had uh, the folks who had administered these elections, right? So clerks in Wayne, clerks in Livonia, Canton, uh, Macomb, uh, come up and say how they ran their elections, right? And why their books did not uh, add up this way. Folks have even gone into the weeds of having the poll worker, right? The ballot counter. Um, and so it is always available to the board to figure out um, before their certification deadline why these discrepancies exist. And what you saw in Detroit was very minimal, um, extremely minimal compared to what had happened in the August primary this year, which they certified with no problem, no conversation. Um, and it was really insulting, um, you know, for residents of Wayne County to know um, that the only reason why Detroit was being picked on was because it was a majority black city. Um, that had to be the only reason, because like I pointed out earlier, you know, Livonia, which is a city that's 90% white, had a ton of variants um, with their clerk on the phone. Um, and their clerk was disgusted that um, Monica Palmer and William Hartman would single out Detroit. I mean, when you have county clerks saying that this is wrong, when you have poll workers and ballot counters, and, and challengers who are saying this is wrong, when you have voters who are telling you this is wrong and like this is the direct impact of what your no vote means to them, um, I mean, you, you have to do right by the people. Um, and especially when people at the top of the government are saying that we have worked incredibly hard to make sure that this is the smoothest, most secure election. If, if there was fraud, we would know about it. And people in, in Wayne County say this all the time. I mean, like, you know, if you feel that this was not a free and fair election, like, we are waiting to be overwhelmed with evidence. Um, but we have not seen that. What we've seen is these court cases um, get dropped left and right. Um, one case, the judge even said, your people didn't show up to the training, and that's why you feel like you weren't caught in a loop. Um, that it's political theater at this point. It's not really about the rule of law or how things are supposed to go. Um, it is a dangerous attempt to throw red meat um, at a very aggrieved base. Um, and it, it makes it dangerous, not just for democracy, but for the residents that have to live here um, when you act recklessly like that with the law in your job. Uh, let me try to get the Marjan in here. Um, so. Without Detroit, I mean, they single out Detroit. Does that throw off the whole Wayne County? Is this, does it make a, a vast difference in the election? Kevin Hunter, repeat that again. You it broke up a little bit, just a little uh, bit. Yeah. So uh, they they focused on Detroit. Would if they had gotten Detroit out and not certified them as their plan to do, would that have thrown off the election results for Wayne County and for and for possibly even the state? I believe, yeah, absolutely. I believe so. And I know Ray was more so involved in the canvassing and the um, behind the scenes with the um, the electoral, you know, 
situation. Um, yes, everybody who pretty much, I mean, let me just go back. This election, I think, was so, um, even if you were just the type of person who really wasn't involved in politics, this year you had no choice but to learn <laughs> about everything. I think a lot of people did had no clue what the electoral um, votes meant or what happened. Once you voted, a lot of people just were, that was it. And you just waited to, for the results. But this year, especially in Michigan, by it being a swing state, we had a lot of Michiganders. We had no choice but to be involved in the process and educate ourselves. And that was one of the things that Michigan Liberation um, played a major role in, you know, in, in that that when we was in 501, I mean, in our nonprofit status, we were helping to educate people. And then when we went over into the PAC side, we was able to endorse people that we felt met the criteria or the mission that we stood for and everything. So um, Wayne County, like Wayne, I mean, Ray mentioned earlier, played a major role. Um, if you looked at Michigan itself, it was red. <laughs> a lot of red was showing up, especially as you went to the west side of the state. But that's why they Wayne County was such under, um, what's the, um, um, they say, a magnifying glass, even to the point of the night after, I mean, election night. The stuff that went down at our TCF center, which used to be Cobo Hall, where they were actually counting the the votes and everything. There was a lot of drama there, even with Republicans coming down and and um, in some cases, I don't want to say harassing, but definitely were down there vo voicing their opinion and even complaining about the the counting um, of the uh, absentee ballots. Um, I actually had some friends and some colleagues that were down there who actually served as supervisors and also ballot counters that went through some very um, intense situations and, and so forth. So yes, Wayne County played a major role, major role. In fact, it, a lot of people don't want to admit it, but Detroit is one of the reasons why we went blue. And I know Ray could probably say that as well. You know, let's be real. Detroit is what carried it. Yeah, so let's get your opinion about that, Ray. Is, is that your ass assessment as well? Yeah, I mean, like, when you look at the hard numbers, <laughs> like, Biden won uh, the state of Michigan by, I think, like, 150,000-plus uh, votes in Michigan. Um, there's over 850,000 voters in Wayne County, right? If you throw out Wayne County... Um, it really makes it, you can see how uh, the Trump campaign would think that that would make them more competitive. Uh, but you cannot throw out the largest county in the state of Michigan, simply because it has the largest black city um, in the state and in the country there. You can't do that. Um, and there was, no, there was nothing um, that shown that our electoral process was anything but free and fair. Um, and it was a power move, and, and it was a move that organizers had anticipated. Um, you know, organizing in a Black city, you know the narrative is going to be they're Black, they're lazy, they're not able to run, um, you know, clean or efficient administrative processes. And, you know, there were already pre-existing tensions with the community, um, with our clerk Janice Winfrey, um, for how the August primary went. We pre-anticipated that. Um, and it allowed us to be able to work very closely with our Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, and the rest of the local uh, election administrators to make sure um, that issues that we saw act, uh, as far as like access uh, to polls um, and timely information, that all of that would be solved before we got to uh, the general election. 
And that's exactly what happened. Um, that's exactly what those administrators testified to. Um, and that's what the community was so outraged about. Yeah. So so what's next? What's what's next for uh, going forward in these uh, smaller elections? Uh, what are you going to be training people for? I mean, what do you think about, uh, you know, what's the plans for, for what's next? We'll start with you, Ray, then we'll go to you, Marja. Yeah, um, there's a lot that's going to be happening in 2021. Uh, smaller municipal elections are my favorite, uh, especially for people who uh, say that their vote doesn't matter. Because these are the elections that actually affect the day-to-day -day hustle, right? Do we have streets that don't have craters in them? You know, do I have lights, gas, and water? Are my schools okay? Um, this is the elections where they all happen. And so we'll be uh, bringing back a lot of the work that has already been built on uh, over the past two years for Michigan Liberation. And more notably, uh, after this uh, summer of uprisings, where we're really going to start talking about uh, divest invest, um, and it's an exciting opportunity because we get to focus on um, smaller races um, that have huge impact, like county commission. You know, these are the the folks that hold the purse strings uh, to our county and decide how our crowdsourced taxes are going to be spent. Um, currently, right now, ninety two percent of that money goes to to local law enforcement. And the rest uh, of, you know, the rest of it has to be, um, oh, excuse me, 92% of the police's budget, yeah, comes from, um, you know, the police commission and what they're able to approve. Um, and housing, water, uh, education, they all have to fight with that, like, remaining 8%. Uh, we'd like to have a, a stronger conversation on what it looks like to invert that, right? Um, what it actually looks like to invest um, in schools, to invest in removing blight, uh, to invest in actually uh, making whole residents, whole citizens, whole people that are actively engaged in their community. Um, and that, you know, we're able to build a community that can support, um, you know, the, the realities of, of Detroit and Wayne County. Um, and so we'll be focusing on that. We'll also be focusing on our uh, city council um, elections because they affect the city charter, right? Which uh, ties into um, things like our uh, police commission and how our police have oversight. And so we feel like we've really done uh, the, the work this year of uh, learning the background, right? Like how do things pour into each other? Um, who are the influencers? Who influences them? What are their paths to power? Um, what does a path to success look like for us? And so it's going to be super jam-packed and we'll be ready when it's election day, August 3rd, 2021. Wow, yeah. Ray kind of summed it up in a nutshell, but I will add on or piggyback off of that, um, Captain Hunter, that, you know, the cool, like I mentioned earlier, the cool thing about uh, Michigan Liberation is that, you know, we do have that super PAC side where unlike a lot of our other partners, we can go in and endorse candidates here in the local area. So with that, you know, we had some successes as far as people who won their election or, you know, and whatnot. And so we're going to actually go back to these people that we endorse and hold them accountable and have, you know, one-on-one -on -one meetings with them. For example, like, um, 
one of our Oakland County prosecutors that won, you know, and we're, we're excited. Okay. Now, now that you're in this office, what is, you know, your first 90 days going to look like and what are you going to be doing? Cause we did, you know, help endorse you. Um, another thing is also within our organization, um, you mentioned, where do we go from here? Like Ray said, we got, there's still work to be done. We have other elections that are coming up locally and learning from our organization or our standpoint, what do we need to do? Lessons learned, like within our canvassing, you know, in our educating, what do we need to do with the community? Like, how do we need to educate our community more and even ourselves, like with our people who did, um, door-to-door canvassing versus those who did like the texting and the phone banks and so forth. So, you know, we're just always trying to do what we call what continuous improvement so we can get better and better for our community. Very good. Very good. Uh, Last question here. This is kind of tongue in cheek. You all mentioned that your, you know, your organization is Michigan liberation. That's not uh, with those other Michigan liberators who didn't want to uh, wear masks and storm the, storm the uh, Capitol, right? That you guys aren't, aren't that group. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no. And I'm playing the kid, not the governor, and all that. With, uh, liberate Michigan, uh, not liberation. And we were here first. We were here first. So, what what are your thoughts about these groups that wanted to kidnap the governor? And I'll start. I'll stop with that one. Yeah, I mean, well, the first thing I want to say is uh, that uh, what we have learned um, is that a lot of these actors have had close ties with our local police departments. Um, For folks who don't know, um, Michigan was once KKK capital of the world. Uh, It was seated in Howell, Michigan. Um, And we're also home of the the Michigan militia, right? Like this is where Timothy McVeigh came to train with the best. Um, And so Michiganders, they know that. I think black folks living in the state, particularly Detroit, uh, which is the most or one of the most segregated, uh, you know, um, urban places in the city. Um, we have always known that this has been a, a, a possibility. I think it speaks to the strength of um, the uprisings, right, of uh, this summer and the amount of brutality that people were so sick um, of people who are charged to serve and protect them. Many, many of our family members who have joined the force. Um, and in practice, um, only being met with violence or or death. Um, and so when we saw the attempted, uh, you know, a, a kidnap on our governor, uh, people were shocked but not surprised. When you have the, the history that you have in Michigan around race um, and around power struggles, and you combine that with the dangerous rhetoric of the president who couldn't simply condone white supremacy when asked. He says, stand back and stand by. I mean, people were standing back and standing by. Um, And, you know, I think that, you know, I appreciate for sure all of the effort that went into protecting our our governor. Uh, We campaigned fiercely for her uh, in 2016. Uh, But I think it also shows a, a lot of holes. Um, there were photos that surfaced where a lot of these actors were, you know, smiling with uh, police sheriffs who are currently serving still. Um, and none of that has been brought into question. None of that has been brought into the public eye. And then when you have mysterious deaths that have happened in police custody that have not made media attention, I'm thinking of Priscilla Slater, for one, who died in police custody in Harper Woods. 
um, and was dead for several hours despite being in a holding cell that's directly across from supervising officers. Um, it calls a lot into question. And I think that the fact that we were able to uh, rectify this, we need to take an intense sit down um, and look at our the relationship that we have with law enforcement. And more importantly, um, look at what we really mean when we talk about justice um, and accountability. Um, these are things that you know, a lot of people, a lot of residents uh, want to see, but it's hard to imagine how that can be when you have officers of the law um, not acting in, in lawful ways and using their power um, in perverse ways to uh, disrupt, you know, the democratic process, but all in the name of law and order, all in the name of democracy. It's disturbing. Yes. Marjan, your, your thoughts on the uh, plot to uh, kidnap the, the governor there? Oh, brother, I don't, you know, what? I, I, hey, I let Ray kind of take that one. <laughs> I think she just kind of like summed it up best. It, it, you know, it was just crazy. You know, we, um, I don't know, Michigan, I've, I'm a Michiganer to heart and everything, but it was just, it was very frustrating. Um, very, I don't know. I know Ray said she said she's not surprised, but I see where she's coming from. But it was kind of like, you know, our governor has been very, very, um, very, very instrumental in helping with this whole COVID situation. And, you know, you have, it's very divided, like Ray mentioned, very segregated. And that you have, um, that's why I guess we're, we're so known as a swing state. But um, it, it was like, kind of like, you know, we at one point was like number three for the highest amount of COVID cases and, and deaths. And now we're like, so we're further down. We're not as high as we, the numbers are not as high because she took a stance. And a lot of people just did not like that a woman was going to be that um, aggressive and assertive in her, um, you know, in her judgments or whatever, in her rulings. And so you can tell she's a trooper, but a lot of people don't like that. They don't like it. And and Trump, they have allowed Trump to be their spokesperson or their whatever you want to call it to to do whatever they want to do. And this was just a way, I think, to get some attention and to, um, I don't know, cause some dis major distractions with all that's going on. You know, it's just sad, especially like you decide you want to kidnap her now. Why not? You know, a few months ago, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 So it was just I don't know. It's It's been crazy here in, in Michigan. Like Ray had walked you through the whole process, but it's been it's been nuts. And we've been involved as Michigan Liberation, like I said, and also as Michigan Liberation Action Fund. So we've been seeing the good, the bad and the ugly. And it's just like just now we're actually able to kind of take a, ah, hoosa, <laughs> you know, a, a sign of relief a little bit, you know, and, but we're still, we're still waiting in the wings because we just don't ever know. We have to go well till January. <laughs> we're all waiting for January, you know? Yeah, 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 no, no, you're absolutely right. It's absolutely. like never a dull moment, you know, Captain, <laughs> right, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that I just want to add to that, that I've been hearing a lot on the ground from people in the community is like, you know, if this was happening for our governor, who is a white woman of means and power and privilege, right? Like, what is happening to the people who don't have the means and power and privilege and who aren't white? Um, and so there's a lot of fear. And because there has been so much tension uh, between, you know, the police community and the black community, people have been talking about, you know, like how, you know, how, 
how do they feel safe? You know, how do you bring children into this world when you feel like they're, there is no safety net. There is no protecting. If they're trying to take out the governor, then like, who are you? You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I had a friend who was saying the same exact thing to me. Her daughter's nine years old, and she was so scared for her. Um, right. So it's really, really sad. So. Right. And this is the first time we're going through something like this with the COVID, with the election. I mean, come on. We're all kind of going what day by day to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies, I really appreciate you guys being on Captain Hunter's podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, great, great, great job, great interview. And I wish you guys the best and success and as far as educating people and, and uh, you know, fulfilling your mission. Yeah, thank, no, thank you, Captain Hunter. And please, if anybody wants to reach out to us, please find us. We're on Facebook, Twitter, definitely Twitter. We're, we're always tweeting the upcoming things. We're always keeping people abreast of what's going on, but definitely check us out. Um, our website is mishmiliberation.org, you know, and they can definitely, you know, look us up, MI Liberation on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Very good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Captain Hunter. Thank you.